We are in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 7. And will you join me in prayer? Let's pray together. Lord God, we're thankful for the way in which you work here within the body. Thankful for working in in people's hearts like Matthew and Alex to, to begin to serve the young adults here at our church and to be a blessing to them. We pray that you'd cause that ministry to be so fruitful that the body would be encouraged and blessed and precious friendships would be fostered, Lord. I pray you give them all the the wisdom and strength that they need, Lord. We pray for our church, Lord, that you would continue to work mightily here at Reverence Bible Church in each one of our hearts and through the proclamation of the gospel here and even to the uttermost parts of this world, Lord. I pray, Lord, that that you're honored here this morning. As As we study your word, Lord, Enable us to have clarity to see how it applies to each one of us and what you mean in the text as you have so perfectly recorded it in the pages of Scripture without error and sharper than any two-edged sword. Be glorified now, Lord, as we spend time together in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 7. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this, he ascended, what does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry and for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ." In the passage before us, we have been called towards unity for us within the church, as we've seen from the beginning of this particular chapter. But unity that that is there because we have one head, and that is Christ. He is the one who is the head of our church. He is our Lord. He is our Savior. He is the one who has gifted each one of us individually. And uses us for his glory to be a blessing to one another. In verse 7 it says, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. According to the measure of the gift of Christ, as it's also been translated. To each one of us. Every person here within our church has been gifted in a very specific, particular God-ordained fashion, as a believer, exactly how he desires for you to be so that he would be most glorified and that we as the body would be most built up, encouraged, edified. 
It's an awesome thing to be able to, to know that it's God who does that. It's not from our own power. It's not us saying, well, I, I want to be in that position or this position. Um, it's God doing it. It's God working in us and through us and gifting us. And it's, it's not simply that this is what we're good at or this is where our skills are or this is where we're most talented. It's not athleticism or simply your intellect or that you're good at the particular profession that you have. It's God gifting you specifically for the church, for the building up of the church. And every one of us has been gifted. For some people, it takes more time to be able to know what that gifting is, how God is to use you. Sometimes it's good to be able to, to see what you're passionate about and what you enjoy, but also to talk with others and ask them, like, how do you think I'm most gifted? What areas do you think I could serve in most effectively? But to be able to watch that it's God that does that. And it may be far beyond what our initial thoughts might be. If you would have asked me anywhere prior to even my last year of high school if this would be where I would ever be gifted at, absolutely not. Not something I ever would have thought that I ever would have done. The most fearful thing you could have ever made me do is to stand in front of anybody and to give a speech. From my fifth grade class with Two of my friends trying to sell particular McGregor's gum that we invented. And that was our speech to where we were so nervous, we just laughed the whole time and got an F. (laughs) (laughs) To shaking violently my senior year as I was supposed to give a simple speech for three minutes comes a place where you just know no it's god that gifts you it's god that enables you to have confidence in that it's that the lord that is doing that in you and through you as he calls us to do different things he enables us to do it and and to know that the last place in the world that you want to be is doing something that god has not gifted you towards you want to be right where he desires for you to be so to each one of us grace was given And this grace that has been given, ministering to one another, the giftings in which God has given, it's according to the measure of of Christ's gift or the measure of the gift of Christ. And that is as great as you could ever possibly state, according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive. And gave gifts to men. It goes on and says, now this, he ascended. What does it mean? But that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. William Hendrickson in the Baker commentary says this, When Christ ascended, he was not returning to heaven with empty hands. On the contrary, 
As a result of the accomplished mediatorial work, he returned in triumph to heaven in the full possession of salvation for his people. These people were to speak in his triumphant procession. They were captives in his train, chained, as it were, to his chariot. There was a vast host of captives, among them also Paul, destined, along with the others, to spread abroad the fragrance of the gospel. He ascended. He, uh, he triumphed. And in the midst of him conquering sin and death, defeating the devil, he's ascended into heaven. And as he has done this, we, those who belong to him, are in his train, chained, as it were, to his chariot, and he has gifted us to continue to be his presence here on earth. Gifted us to continue to be a blessing to one another. He led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. He did this. Um, He goes from there to say that he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. As you go through Scripture, you'll find probably about 17 or so different gifts that God has given to, to His people, specifically named as far as these are areas in which God gifts His people. But in our list here, there's, there's a, a, just a few that are mentioned. But He specifically names these, these ones here. He gave some to be apostles, and this would be the twelve. Gave some to be prophets, those that would proclaim God's word and those that would be used to give us the canon of Scripture. And we see that the word prophets used in other ways as well as far as those who speak the truth. But some prophets giving us God's word. He's called some to be evangelists. And we think of Timothy where Paul says to him in 2 Timothy 4, 5, but you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Called to, to be one in whom is used in a special way for the proclamation of the gospel. But as we see these different giftings that are mentioned here, and we'll, we'll go to the next in, in a moment, but think of evangelists. It's, you see, some people that are very gifted in that arena. Ray Comfort would be one. Billy Graham would be one. Greg Glory would be one to name some of the, the evangelists have had a huge impact on the world. Jonathan Edwards, George Whitfield, and others throughout history that have had a radical impact on proclaiming God's word and seeing fruit come from that as far as the gospel going forward. But every one of us has been called to preach the gospel. Every one of us has been called to, to make disciples. Our prayer is that as a church, evangelism would take place on a regular basis. I got a call from, from Aaron Williams yesterday and, and talking about how his young brother-in-law passed away um, just two days ago. And, and being able to, to hear his, his heart and calling for prayer, but also that there in the, in the final moments of his brother-in-law's life, being there to to pray with him, to minister the gospel to him. It takes place on a regular basis 
before us. It should be the, what takes place as we are talking to our neighbors across the fence. It should be what takes place when we're there at soccer games. It should be what takes place all throughout our lives. Think of a time where Jonathan and I were supposed to head up to a wrestling tournament and we were flying to this particular location and we got tickets from Long Beach, which I thought, to this location. And then we were coming back into L.A., but um, I got it turned around. And so we were dropped off in Long Beach and said goodbye to everybody. And then we went through the line, and we were early. We had a good hour and 30 minutes or so until our plane was taking off. And, and uh, lo and behold, when I got there, after trying to convince them that I really was supposed to go, on this plane, they said, no, you're flying out of L.A. And it was the most stressful thing. I mean, I'm looking, going like, he's not going to be able to get there. He's not going to be able to make weight. We just spent all this money on hotels and flights for nothing. And, and it was so stressful. And we didn't have time to call the people back that were supposed to, that dropped us off. And so it was just like, Jonathan, let's get an, a taxi and we'll go. And so we got into a taxi and took off for L.A. And I'm looking at my phone saying, we are supposed to arrive about 40 minutes after the plane takes off. And I'm like, so I'm on the, trying to talk with the airline. When's the next flight? There are no more flights. We're stuck. We're going to be in L.A. now. There's no way to get to this location. And I just said, Jonathan, we can just pray. God will make a way. And then we started talking with the, the, the cab driver and, and uh, asked where he was from and he shared where he was from, and I asked, well, what, what religion do you practice? And he was a Buddhist, and I began to ask him questions as far as, well, what happens to you after death when you die? And he started sharing, and, and, and then I just went from there to shift it into, well, can I tell you what we believe? And took it from there to share the gospel with him, for we were stuck for a long, long time in that car in bumper-to-bumper traffic. And it was precious because, one, before I got off, I found out that our flight was delayed by two hours and that we made it. (laughs) God answered our prayer. They had mechanical difficulties, and we got on our plane, and we made it, and he made weight and made the tournament. But when we got off that out of that cab, Jonathan said, so that's how you share the gospel. I saw what you were doing. You asked questions. You were asking him what he believed. You took him to how he thinks that he's going to get to heaven or what's going to happen to him. And then you took him right into how do you deal with sin? And he goes, I, that was amazing. I, I saw how you shared the gospel. But this was a circumstance in which we're just driving in a cab. We're late. But God had a plan for that. And for us as believers, just looking at when are there opportunities to share the gospel? At every opportunity. George Agawa was just talking this morning about how when he was in the hospital and had sepsis and he was struggling, he, he, he was really sick. The way he described it in his George Agawa kind of way was he was... He was swirling around the drain, about ready to go down. Um, 
last, last thoughts of George Agawa swirling around the drain. Um, but he said, as long as I was swirling around the drain, I was going to share the gospel with as many people as I could possibly share it with from that hospital bed. But just that mentality of, I'm here in the hospital. This is my predicament. I'm stuck. This person's stuck next to me. They need the gospel. Sharing the gospel. But he's called specific people towards with a gifting of evangelism and and so they're mentioned here. And he's called some to be pastors and teachers. We see those to be combined as the shepherding that takes place and the teaching that takes place specifically from the pulpit, various ministries, but gifted in that way of being called, enabled, to shepherd and to teach the flock. And so he gave some to be each of these different positions. Now notice what it says in verse 12, because this is important for us. He's called apostles, prophets, evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now notice what is occurring here. He's equipped these people, called these people, gifted these people. But the reason that he's done this is so that all of us, the entirety of the body, would be equipped for the work of ministry. There's been a broken view that's been fostered within the church, I think probably from the very beginning, but of... There's positions of, of pastors or priests or pope or whatever it is, these high positions that are given elders within the church, deacons within the church, and this is the staff or these are those that are called to the ministry and this is what's taking place. These are, are those that are to minister and we are those that are to, to just watch and to be a part of it and, and, and pastors should do these things and church staff should do these things. But the church is not called to do these things. That's something that's called by pastors and priests and whoever else to function in this role. It's not what the text says at all, does it? He's called these people for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. Called to preach the word, to study God's word. Apostles given, prophets given to record the things that are here in Scripture. Evangelists given to proclaim the gospel. But teaching that is to occur so that all of us together would be equipped for the ministry, for the work of ministry. It ought to be how all of us are thinking on a regular basis. We have been called for the work of ministry. Everybody here in this congregation called for the work of ministry and for the edifying of the body of Christ to build up one another, to encourage one another, to minister to one another. It's something that we as a body all do together. And he's gifted each one of us 
for that, for the work of ministry, and for the building up of one another. There's so many today who find even going to church as something that's, if I have time, if it's convenient, if it fits around my schedule, if I feel like it, if I got to bed early enough, Participating in ministry, you'll hear frequently that 10% of the people do 90% of the work, right? Anybody heard that stat before? I pray that that would never be the case here at our church. But that each one of us sees us as we have been equipped for the work of ministry and for the building up of the body of Christ. Now notice it doesn't say He's called all these people to make the church huge so that we could just grow in numbers. The focus here is on the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry and for the edifying of the body of Christ to build up one another. I heard this as a child and it has stuck with me to this day. But that within the church, if the teaching of the word takes place properly, you will have healthy sheep that produce healthy sheep. It's a work that takes place of of us being in a place where we're growing and we're being fed and we're falling more deeply in love with Christ. We understand the gospel. We understand the calling with which we've been called and the heart in which we are to have for one another so that fruit would come forth from our lives we see the Lord doing that I started thinking about just within our church some of the things that are taking place and in a small congregation like we have The Lord is working in an awesome way for his glory. Many of you maybe use Blue Letter Bible on your phones or on your computers to study God's word, to be there to read scripture. In our small congregation, there's over a dozen people that work full-time in that ministry. Serving this ministry so that the Word of God would go forward. Do you know that there's about 620 million pages that are downloaded each year from that? 620 million pages. Every year. It's about 1.7 million pages a day. 12 million unique users that are going through Scripture on a regular basis. 33 million devotionals that are sent out by email every year. Or, I'm sorry, 25 million devotions. 33 million Bible searches that take place. But 
Well, that's massive. God's word going forward in digital form on your computer being used all over the world. It's an awesome thing to be able to look at some of the most closed, persecuted country and how many people in those countries are using Blue Letter Bible and have God's Word there reading it. Steve Lambright, who came and prayed for our offering, some of you may know him, some maybe don't, but Steve after retiring, started volunteering and serving with the Gideons. They have, they have over 80 million Bibles that go out annually. 80 million Bibles that go out annually in paper form. He's a part of going to the local schools that are all around our area and distributing thousands of Bibles every year to our kids. And it's a joy when I sit with people and ask, how did you get saved? And it's, someone gave me a Gideon Bible. (laughs) God used that to bring me to salvation. God's doing awesome things. Many of you are familiar with Camp Oakhurst. That we have as a church, Camp Oakhurst, up right by Yosemite. Not everybody's been there. I encourage you to go if you get the opportunity. Everybody that goes, I think, is just blown away by what's actually taking place up there. You have 173 acres. There's 30-some buildings. You have rock climbing walls, a 200-foot water slide, a high school-sized swimming pool, 80-foot swing, rock climbing walls, High ropes courses, paintball, soccer field, basketball court, all kinds of different stuff. But this summer, there will be thousands of kids that go up there. This week, there's hundreds of of kids from Russian churches that are all together there. And our staff, many of the young people from our church have gone up there and served. Some are up there right now serving these kids. But their whole passion is to minister the gospel to these kids as much as they possibly can as they're up there. My parents have been volunteering up there for almost two years now, serving there and serving the the campers that are there. And thousands of kids and adults have gone through over these last couple years. God is doing an awesome work up there. The number of, of kids that get saved at camp is absolutely astounding as far as you start looking at the percentage of young people that get saved before the age of 18. Massive numbers of people God saves up at camp. And this is one of the most beautiful settings you could ever possibly imagine, just a little over 15 miles from the entrance to Yosemite. And God's entrusted our church with being able to be a part of overseeing that ministering there, setting the vision there, choosing the staff there, and having the gospel go forward. We see that Pastor Don Smith is frequently going out to the uttermost parts of the world training pastors. He's heading off this summer to the Philippines where he'll be ministering there. 
to pastors from the Philippines, pastors from Japan. And I was blessed, I think, it's over 20 pastors, Pastor Don, that you're flying in from China to train. Is that correct? It's too dangerous for him to go to those areas of China because of what's taken place in recent years. And so he's flying 20-some guys to the Philippines to be trained this summer. And what a blessing for him to have days and days and days with these pastors, training them, and then watching them go back and preach their congregations. You have local outreach taking place, like Second Impressions, where you have a thrift store there in Lake Forest, headed up by Brandon and Carrie, who, I don't know if they're here this morning, but they are getting married in, on the 5th of July. And what a blessing to watch them minister to the homeless people who are there and that, that, that come to that location and having Bible studies there for the homeless people, but then also ministering there through second impressions and just proclaiming the gospel at every opportunity, and that's what they do. We have, as of a couple of years ago, working in Uganda with Vincent and Melissa. They're in northern Uganda where it's 95 plus percent Muslim. And we've worked with them on putting together a professional soccer team. Maybe haven't heard too much about it, but it is awesome what God's doing. The last trip that we took a team in, I said, put together a game against one of the other teams. And I'll bring trophies for whoever wins and uniforms for whoever wins and some soccer balls. And then we'll preach the gospel at halftime. 13,000 people showed up to this particular event. And we preached the gospel. That team has beat everybody in the country to where if they win their next game on the 29th, they move up to the second division, which would be a part of the top 30 teams in the country. Awesome. And every part of it is so that the gospel would go forward. Members of our church, along with Safe Harbor, were part of buying over seven acres, I believe it is, to, to set up an outreach center because the Muslims didn't want the gospel preached on their fields. So on our last trip, we said, how much is it to buy a field? How much is it to set up an outreach center? They're breaking ground this next week. Awesome work of the gospel going forward in an area that's 95% Muslim, an unreached people group, and the gospel go forward on a regular basis, also with a reading center and VBS taking place and physical therapy taking place, all in this place, and the gospel going forward in this whole outreach. It's the Lord doing it. Every one of these things that we're talking about, it is the Lord doing that work. But it's us living these things out, the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. Just over a year ago, Ashley and Ronnie Dolly We've been in our church from the very beginning with Ronnie leaving for a few years to Virginia as a firefighter. But the Lord working upon their hearts to adopt a child. And then the way that he worked in their hearts to say, let's adopt a child that nobody else would adopt. 
So they go to China. They find a little boy who has some needs that, that, that make it so that Ashley is able to just work with him specifically to help him with all of her training. But even more so to be loved within that family. To be just loved. A little boy who was left just as a small, small child. And after 14 years old, you're no longer allowed to be in the orphanage and you're forced to leave. You can't be adopted. So two days before he turned 14, they adopted him. And he is an absolute blessing to them and to us, isn't he? The gospel going forward, him being loved and cared for, him being at the school that was here and just watching him with so much joy on a daily basis. But that is the Lord working in hearts for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And so many of you, his family included, grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins, just loving on him. It's the Lord working. It's the Holy Spirit calling. Putting it upon hearts to do a work that would bring the most glory to Him. And that would be a blessing to each one of us. To just watching for Fellowship Friday, I was blessed seeing a widow at our church ministering to a young lady who had just lost her dad and praying with her, just one-on-one praying with her on Friday night, ministering to her heart. It's the work of ministry that takes place daily as we serve. Every one of us called to serve and to love and to care, to teach the children here at the church, to serve at different functions, to be in a place of let's do a young adults ministry or let's serve in the youth ministry or let's go up to Camp Oakridge and serve or let's go on a mission trip or let's help fund this. Give in that area because God's gifted us in a way that we're able to do that above and beyond a normal tithe. Let's use our resources in a way that exalts Christ the most. Moms that are here ministering to their kids, dads ministering to their kids, Husbands and wives ministering to other husbands and wives and encouraging them in their marriages. Teaching God's word, speaking truth in God's word, counseling in a biblical way. It's God working in our church and through us. It's the Holy Spirit gifting people, each one of us, in a specific way. And yet you see in in Scripture, like in 2 Timothy 1.6, where Paul says to Timothy, therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you. To use the gifts that God has given us for the building up of the body. 
It's every one of us having a mindset of how can I glorify God most? Coming to Him in prayer, Lord, enable me to see things that I wouldn't normally see, to know that someone has a need, or to, to call someone and to be a blessing to them, or meet up with them, or to pray for them. How do I do that? How do I serve the other body, rest of the body, and to edify them, to build them up on a regular basis? How can I stir the gifts up that you have given me? to be the greatest blessing to the saints that are around me and for the gospel and for your kingdom. You see in 1 Peter chapter 4, and verse 7, where it says, but the end of all things is at hand. Therefore be serious, watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have fervent love for one another. This is just speaking to the church. The end is near. Be serious. Be watchful in your prayers. And above everything else, have a fervent love for one another. People that are around us have a fervent love for those who are around you. For love will cover a multitude of sins. There will be a whole lot of grace that's given if we love the way God's called us to love and that He's demonstrated. He says, be hospital to one another hospitable to one another without grumbling as each one has received a gift each one again as each one has received a gift minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of god if anyone speaks let him speak as the oracles of god if anyone ministers let him do it and then notice what it says as with the ability which god supplies do it with the ability which god supplies a sovereign god has gifted you each one of you, for the purpose of building up the rest of us and for the gospel to go forward and the making of disciples. So each one of you, may we do it with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. I mentioned a lot of things that the Lord's doing, and I just scratched the surface as far as some of the things that the Lord's doing just within the body here. But it would be so wrong for us to hear that and to say, in such a small church, look at all we're doing. As if our church is just so awesome. If you know yourself, like I know myself, there is nothing awesome about any one of us. With the exception that we serve an awesome God. We serve an awesome God. We serve a God who works in our hearts. Takes people like Jack and Jody Connor and puts it upon their heart to go visit Rose Bogan, who can no longer leave home or leave the home that she's living in. Long-term care that she's at. And so they go on a regular basis and visit, basis and visit her. God working in hearts to be a blessing to one another, to serve one another, to care for one another. But doing it in such a way where God gets all the glory, doesn't he? At the end of the day, we look at it and we say, look what you did, Lord. In spite of 
me, in spite of you, in spite of our weaknesses and our failures and all these things, we serve an awesome God who works in such a way that we sit here as a congregation and say, God is good. And He's sovereign. And He gifts people and He works in their hearts. And He enables. And His Word doesn't return void. And He prepares people's hearts to hear the Word. And He opens up doors. And He provides funds. And He does all of these things so that he is glorified, and we as a congregation sit here this morning, and we glorify Him. You've done it all. Every bit of it you've done. And we praise Him, and we're thankful. But every person here matters. It's possible for us to read texts like we're reading this morning, and see Him saying things like, that He gifts each person. giving gifts to all and to respond with well my gifts not really that necessary as if any one part of the body is not necessary there's two extremes there right there's one that says I'm not that important and there's the other side that says I have no need of the hand I have no need of the eye. I have no need of whatever it is. And that's just how God deals with it and says that's not the case. He's given to each one of us. But we are in absolute need of one another. There's no one's gifts that are not important for the health of our church. I talk about all that the Lord's doing in our church and through us. And at the same time, my thought process goes to, but Lord, please stir up the gifts within every member of our church. Help us to be conscious of that and to, and to just think, how can I serve and how can I proclaim the gospel and how can I make disciples and how can I use the gifts that God's given me for the building up of the rest of the body and for the gospel to go forward? How can I do this in a way that's just worthy of all that he has done for me and that together all of us would be in a place of using the gifts that God's given us to serve one another. God could do a mighty, mighty thing in our church. And he is. But even more so as he uses his word on mornings like today to work in our hearts, to change us, to convict us, to bring us to a place of Lord, give me a passion for this. Help me able to see that you've called some to be apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. That's why they are here. That's why they exist. That's why we have scripture. That's why he's gifted certain people so that the work of ministry would take place. And I'm a part of that. Every one of us is a part of that. To build each other up. In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7, it tells us that he's given to each one of us for the profit of all. He gives to each one of us for the profit of all of us. In 1 Corinthians 12, 11, it goes on to say, but 
one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. Which makes us not be ungrateful for the gift that He's given us, but to see it as He did it exactly as He willed, because that was going to be most to His glory. There's all kinds of gifts. In 1 Corinthians 12, 4, it says, There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministry, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. A master God, a master planner who is working all of it for His glory. And so we recognize that. To have hearts that desire to serve, to be a blessing to everybody. You hear our Lord say, Whoever desires to be great among you shall be your servant. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be a slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. We're to serve one another. We're to do it with humility, knowing that it is God that works. Humble in a place of, I can't do anything apart from him. Not being in a place where there's pride or, or position or titles or all these different things, but looking and saying, like, no, I'm just a servant. And I want to be a humble servant that's used by the Lord. I read of a church giving a medal to the pastor for humility. But then they took it away when he wore it. We have humility in these things. Realizing it's all come from the Lord. But brothers and sisters, when we talk about how to build each other up, you just go to God's word and say, Lord, what are you calling us towards? How can I build up those that are around me? You look at scripture and there's these one another's. I know our women did a retreat regarding that some years back, but these one another's, how we are to be towards one another. And some of them are repeated over and over again, but let me just give you a taste of some of them. How we are to be towards one another. Have peace with one another. Wash one another's feet. Love one another. Be kindly affectionate to one another. In honor, giving preference to one another. Be of the same mind towards one another. Let us not judge one another. Therefore, receive one another, just as Christ also received us. Let's be able to admonish one another, counsel one another, greet one another with a holy kiss. We come together for communion, maybe wait for one another. So that there's no division or schism in the body. The members should have the same care for one another. Through love, we're to serve one another. We're to be careful that there's not slander and division and such that we bite and devour one another. We're to beware lest we be consumed by one another. We're not to become conceited or provoking one another or envying one another. We're to bear one another one another's burdens. We're to be with all lowliness and gentleness and long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. 
We're to be kindly affectionate to one another, kind to one another, tender-hearted towards one another, forgiving one another, even as God forgave you. We're to speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in our hearts to the Lord. We're to be submitting to one another in the fear of God. Lie to one another, extend to one another in the fear of God. We are to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. Our psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in our hearts to the Lord. We're told, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love toward one another and to all. We're to comfort one another and edify one another. We're to exhort one another daily. We're to consider one another and we're to stir up love and good works within the church. We're not to speak evil of one another. We're not to grumble against one another. We're to confess our sins or trespasses to one another and pray for one another. We're to love one another fervently with a pure heart. We're to be of one mind, having compassion for one another, to love as brothers, to be tender-hearted, to be courteous. We're to be hospitable to one another without grumbling. We're to be submissive to one another, to be clothed with humility. There's a calling for us towards one another to be such a blessing in all of these areas and careful in all of the other areas to be such that... Our passion is to glorify God and to build up each other, to equip each other for the work of ministry that God would be glorified through our church. The Lord is good. There's nothing that's too hard for Him. He loves our church. He loves us. He's given us His Word to teach us, to encourage us. And he's given every one of us gifts to work to keep us so that we can minister to one another. Build each other up so that Christ Jesus is glorified through our local church, even to the uttermost parts of this world. Pray through these things. May we not leave this place saying, Man, do we have it all together. In spite of us, God has done awesome things. But maybe we don't give this place in, Lord. May I not take the gift that you've given me and just bury it? May I use it for the building up of the rest of the body? You don't get the idea here that people just come to church, they show up, they're invisible, nobody knows that they're there, and then they leave. Do you get that idea anywhere in Scripture? Now you see it as a body or a temple, a living organism that is working. I see that and say, God uses it for His glory. May He accomplish that through each one of us and through our church. Will you pray with me for that? Lord God, we're thankful. Thankful as we see millions of people going to your word, millions of Bibles being distributed, 
We're thankful as we see the life of a young man radically transformed through the kindness of your Holy Spirit working in hearts. We're thankful as we see those who are weeping to have someone to weep with them or to pray with them. I'm thankful to see the kids and youth here in the gospel at the camp. We're thankful for those who serve in all kinds of different ministries, whether it be men or women's ministry or the ladies with Calvinist hands make these quilts to be such a blessing to those that receive them. Children's ministry, second impressions. Missions taking place, pastoral training taking place. Missions taking place, but also the prayers for one another, the encouraging words for one another, the loving prayers for one another. May we grow in these things. May we put aside our flesh. Our natural tendencies to go away from these things towards selfish ambitions. May we be less consumed with what we have and set our minds more on storing up for ourselves our treasures here on earth. Help us not to have minds that are like this world, but to have minds that are after the things of your kingdom and of you. But pray from this pulpit and from all the teaching that takes place, as Pastor Don shared was on his pulpit, may it just be that they may see Christ. May we see you in the pages of Scripture and know you and fall more deeply in love with you that it would fuel all that you're calling us to do and give us hearts that are after your own heart. And may we think of the gospel saved from every sin that we've ever committed, clothed in robes of righteousness, solely by the work of Christ upon the cross so that we can spend eternity with him by grace, through faith and that not of ourselves, a gift from God. May we understand that we are saved by our faith in you alone. Blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Given the Holy Spirit. Gifted by the Holy Spirit. Sealed until the day of redemption by the Holy Spirit. And may that stir within us, even now, the praises that we are about ready to sing. And I pray that it would be so sweet unto our Savior. On this morning, I pray that you're glorified. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.